0: So, how does this connect with what we're talking about today? You're like, man, that was like random, right? (laughs) I love that video. It's actually a show in Japan called My First Errand. And they do this with kids and the mom gives them a list and the cameraman follows them and then they come back home and unpack it and it's never right. (laughs) But you're going to see a connection here. Because as Christ followers living on mission to share the good news gospel as sent ones, we're often a lot like that little girl. We're often a lot like her. We know what Christ has sent us to do. We know what he has sent us to accomplish. But we get so distracted by other things that are going on around us that we very often forget to do the very thing he sent us to do. We build buildings. We start programs. We start Bible studies. We get caught up in all kinds of social justice activities. None of these things necessarily wrong. But at the end of the day, when we come back to Christ with what we've done, I think he's going to be questioning, what, what did you do with the list I gave you? Why did you forget to do the very things that I asked you? So as we take a look at this, you know, we're in this series of, of talking about how following Christ changes everything and talking about the habits of Christ as we come to understand his habits and live and emulate his habits, we become more like Christ. We're talking about the fact that Christ had a habit of sending people on mission, Telling them what to do, giving them a life and a purpose in spreading the gospel, and saying, "This is the thing I want you to do. Go and do it." And it's one of his habits. So as we unpack this this morning, we're going to kind of take it in two parts. And in the first part, we want us to look at two different things. First, what kind of things did the people he sent? What kind of things did he send them to do? And second, how did those he sent respond to his directions? And we're going to be looking today at these two aspects simultaneously as we move through some passages of Scripture. We're going to start on page 472 in the Pew Bibles, Matthew 4, while you turn there. So we're going to be looking at these two aspects kind of simultaneously as we move through passages of Scripture, and after we do it, we're going to talk about the shopping list that Christ has already given us and how we can refresh ourselves with that so that we can be on His gospel mission. So let's take a look at Matthew 4. This is going to be chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. It says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we continue to move through passages of scripture today that talk about your son's habit of sending people on mission, Lord, that you'll touch us, that you'll reach deep inside of us and remind us of the things that are really important. Uh, Lord, remind us of your mission today and your shopping list for us as sent ones. In Jesus' name, amen first thing I want you to see here is part of being sent by Jesus is the command to follow him. Look at what he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Remember the video we watched last week? I love it. It said that the the part of the work of the gospel that's in our hands is sharing the gospel, but the response is in the hands of God. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Anybody like to fish? Do a little trout fishing? Anybody? Yeah. That's big in Montana, fly fishing, trout fishing. It's a big deal. It is, yeah. I never got into fishing. I never got into fishing and hunting, but it was a big deal there. You, fishing is like the, the act of having the equipment, putting the lure on there, putting the bait on there, whatever, throwing it in the water, waiting, catching a fish, is, is in the hands of I don't know what. <laughs> Maybe some skill, randomness, serendipity. I don't know. It could be anything. It, just, it could just happen. Maybe you have some skills in that area. I don't know. But fishing is the act... Of going after something you may catch it you may not it's tied to what we talked about last week and what i mentioned again a moment ago that the 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 response of the people is in the hands of god right he said follow me i will make you fishers of men that's the that we we go we share the good news we share the gospel of christ the response is in the hands of god part of being sent by jesus is the command to follow him the call to follow Christ is the call to know Christ. And so we, we circle back to a message a week or two ago where we talked and we went in depth about what the gospel of Christ is. And so I ask that question to you today. Before we continue in this, to be sent by Christ, you have to be a follower of Christ. Are you a Christ follower? Have you come to that place in your life where you've, you've repented? We sang about repentance a minute ago. It's that scary Christiany churchy word. they say, don't say this word in church anymore. People say that, right? Don't say repent. Repent just means, uh, remember what we talked about? A change of mind, a change of heart, followed by a change of direction. God reaches down inside of you and he he points out things in you that are sinful, that are wrong, that that are disobedient, that separate you from God. And he says, turn away from these things and follow me. I will forgive you. I will wipe the slate clean. I will make you a new creation and you'll walk in me and you'll follow me. Have you ever come to a place in your life where you've made that decision? Where you've come to Christ honestly and you said, Lord, I'm gonna gonna ask, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. You can do that now. You can do that in this moment. You can come before the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I wanna repent. I wanna turn. I've had a change of mind and a change of heart brought on by your activity in my life, and now I need a change of direction. Lord God, change my direction. Make me new. And once you become a follower of Christ, you've called on the name of Christ, you believed in his, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. God immediately sends you. It's not like you get saved and you go to church for a couple, we- a couple years and then you do something. God's sending is immediate. And that's what we see in the response of the, the people he called. We see it repeatedly. It says, he called Peter and Andrew and immediately they left their nets and followed him. He called James and John. They left the boat and their father immediately. Have you been moving immediately <laughs> or have you just been kind of hanging out and waiting? I'm waiting until I get enough under my belt, until I, until I know enough, until I've grown enough, until I'm strong enough or I'm, I'm bold enough. God didn't say, follow me. Christ didn't come to the disciples and say, hey, walk with me for three years and then I'm going to send you, although he did send them when he left. He started sending them immediately, and we're going to see some of how this works out coming up. But what I want you to see here that it is intrinsic to the call of Christ, the command to follow him, that's intrinsic, that you follow him, and the timeline is immediately. When he says, follow me, we go. Let's take a little bit of a further look. We're going to look at how Jesus sent the 72. Daniel read about uh, sending of the 12. When he sent the 12, there's also another story. We're going to read out of Luke 10, uh, page 506 in the Bibles in the pews. Uh, this is a story of how Jesus sent 72 of his followers out. And uh, let's take a look at that together. Luke 10, 1 through 12. And then we're going to skip to 17 through 20. There's this parenthetical section in between the two of those. While Jesus is waiting for them to come back, he is speaking about some other things. We're going to skip over that portion for the purposes of what we want to hit today, but you can, you can go back and read that later if you'd like to. So page 506, Luke 10, starting in verse 1. My pages are stuck together. <laughs> there we go. It says after this, the Lord appointed seventy two others and sent them on ahead of him two by two, into every town and place where he was about to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money, no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Do you sense the immediacy there' Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, "'Go into its streets and say, "'Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, "'we wipe off against you. "'Nevertheless, know this, "'that the kingdom of God has come near. "'I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day "'for Sodom than for that town.'" And then in uh, verse 17, we see the return. "'The 72 returned with joy, saying, "'Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name.'" And Jesus said to them, "'I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. "'Behold, I have given you authority "'to tread on serpents and scorpions.'" And over all power of the and and over the power of the enemy, nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So we see he gives some directions, doesn't he? He says, "Here's when you go, do these things." What are some of the things he sends them in two? He told them to pray. Don't miss the importance of that. It was like the first thing he said when you go, pray. Pray and ask that the Lord will send out harvesters for, for laborers for the harvest. Right. He told them to speak peace into the house. He told them, and and he gave them directions of how to respond in a favorable and in an unfavorable condition. He gave them instructions for the day-to-day mission. He told them not to bring anything with them. And when did they go? Right when he was done. He's like, here's your instructions, go. They went. They came back. They reported. We know they went out, and we know they did it because in verse 17, it says, "...they returned with joy." Don't miss this part, though. Jesus reminded them that the results of the mission were his, right? He's like, don't take joy. These are good things that happen, but don't take joy in those things. Instead, take joy that you yourself, your name is written in heaven. When Jesus sins, he gives directions. When Jesus sins, he expects an immediate response. And when Jesus sends, He brings the power. We bring the feet. <laughs> we bring the hands. We bring the heart. Jesus brings the power. So how can we see, and how can we begin to see this habit come alive in us? This is, this is the, the segment we're probably going to spend the longest on today. How do we see the, the going-on mission spirit? Come alive in us so that we are like compelled to go. First, we realize we've sent, or we've, we've been sent, that we're sent ones. Did you know you're sent? You're a sent one. All of us are sent. All of us that, that are Christ followers have been sent. Remember the mom in the video. She gave her daughter a short shopping list. Three things. Do you guys remember what they are? Chinese chives, dumpling skins and gelatin. Good job. You guys could go shopping in Japan. Becca, were you listening to it in Japanese? Rebecca knows a little Japanese. You could hear a lot of that in there. When, every time they said dumpling skins, I could pick that out because I know what that is. Yeah, exactly. That made me hungry. Jesus has given us a shopping list. Jesus has given us a list as, as followers of Christ. He has said, here are the things that you are to be about. We find that list in Matthew 28. You've probably heard this a number of times. We're going to read it in a second. Turn to it in your Bibles. Matthew 28. We're going to start in verse 16. It's on 487 in the pew Bibles. This is the, the walking papers. This is the shopping list. This is it. Even has a name. Does anybody know what it's called? It's like referred to fondly in church as what? The Great Commission. The Great Commission. Let's read it together. I still hear some pages turning so I can catch up, which is good. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, it says, Now the eleven, remember Judas had already um, died. They were waiting to replace him, and they'll replace him shortly when uh, we read the book of Acts. But in this intermediate time, there's eleven. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Have you ever been there? <laughs> Just on a side note, some doubted. I love that that's in here. It gives us permission to have the same grappling with the gospel that the 11 had. Jesus came because he knew they were doubting It says Jesus came and he said to them, all authority In heaven and on earth has been given to me and then he gave them the shopping list he said go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe everything i have commanded you and behold i'm with you always to the end of the age sometimes people will ask me this question how do i know i'm called To share the gospel how do i know that that includes me how do i know that i'm sent here's the simple answer in the form of two questions first are you alive everybody okay are you a christ follower yes if you answered yes to both of those questions you're sent this calling's for you For all who call the Lord Jesus Christ their Savior and His Father their Father and the Holy Spirit inhabits their lives, you are called. You are sent. You are commissioned. If you're not doing this, listen, there's just one word for it. What did your parents call it when you didn't do what they said? Disobedience. When we don't do the thing we're sent to do, we're being disobedient. Some of us, that word may be fresher than others. Share the gospel, no questions asked. We have the list. We've got the list. Jesus said, here's the list. Here's the things I want you to do. There's only one thing left to work out that's the where, and sometimes that's where we get hung up. For the little girl, the where was the grocery store, wasn't it? She knew what to do, go take the recycling, which she did. She did that part. Go get the three food items, come back so I can make dinner. Hey, by the way, did you like all of the he's and him's and hers that were substituted for, yeah, I thought that, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. And just to mention, I love the video we watched a few minutes ago, the IMB one, where the gentleman called God the God. I love that. It reminds me of Poland. We heard that so many times. I love, just reminded me, reminded me of home. Page 530 in the Pew Bibles, Acts 1 in the Bible that's in your hand, contains some very important text to us, the text that tells us where to take the shopping list, because if you don't know where to go shopping, how can you get the things you're supposed to get? Acts 1, starting in verse 6, says this, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons the Father has fixed by his own authority. Listen here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you will be my witnesses, listen to where, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you... Into heaven will come down the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Jesus said, And you will be my witnesses. Where do we take the shopping list? For these guys, it was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What does that mean for us? Because we don't live in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's not our home. If you don't know geography, this sending statement might not make sense, but we're going to unpack it in two different ways today. The first way, think of a series of concentric circles growing larger each time. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. For us, that would look different, wouldn't it? Depending on what city. We'll just take Elmwood Park because some of us live in Elmwood Park. But for us, it might look like Elmwood Park in the little circle. Where do we take the shopping list? Elmwood Park. Then where? Cook County, Illinois, United States, the world. The world looks like a target, looks like a bullseye. These are the places, this is the mindset that we come at with this from from the words of what he said there that related to those guys. This is how it relates to us. We start where we live. We start in the neighborhood. It spreads to school or the places we work and play, then further into the county, into the state into the nation, into the world. As we become a Southern Baptist church, some of those ways are becoming easy for us to grab onto, aren't they? Easier than they were. Because now we can support North American missionaries who are planting a church in Irving Park or in uh, where we started one in Bozeman or in Texas or California or New York City or Canada. We can also support and cooperate with international missionaries through the International Mission Board that are working all around the world. The, the, the guy we talked to today, well, we didn't talk to him, but the guy we watched today, he's in Ukraine, and he's going to a Ukrainian theological seminary that's supported by gifts that we give at Christmas towards Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And he's able to study in part because of our giving. Something of what we give in this offering that's coming up in Christmas is going to go to that little seminary in Ukraine to train Christians in Ukraine how to be pastors, how to be teachers. So we can grab onto that. Um, but it gives us a way to be involved. These circles might not all be possible for us to put hands and feet to, but for some of us, he's calling us to be hands and feet in places further away than Elmwood Park. Maybe in Cook County, if some of you have met Brian and Marcy, and and again, we're praying for them, but they are starting a church in Irving Park, and they're going to continue that work as we partner with them, we're able to move out and be actually hands and feet in Cook County. We can also pray. We can also give. As we talk about Illinois in the United States and the world, we'll continue to, to talk about those and, and watch videos about those and see how we might be involved, but I am hoping and I'm praying that the Lord calls some of you out, some of us out, to be part of something beyond Cook County, beyond Illinois, maybe even beyond the United States and be part of something somewhere, and be hands and feet to a people who need to know Jesus Christ. However you and I are involved, we must see God to lead us in mission in all of those areas, from home and to the furthest point. Just out of interest today, I thought I'd figure out what is the furthest point. Anybody ever done that? It's actually a Google Map app you can get to on the internet, and you type it in, and it'll, you type in, you put in your location, and it'll tell you what's exactly on the other side of the world from you. Anybody know? Anybody ever done it? The Indian Ocean. (laughs) Sorry. I was hoping it was going to be more romantic. (laughs) It's like there's this unreached people group. They've never heard Christ. They're exactly the opposite side of the world. It's just water. But it's located right in between Western Western Australia and Madagascar. So I think we can say roughly... Western Australia and Madagascar are probably the furthest distant landmasses that are populated by people that need to know Jesus Christ from where we are today. So home is here. It may be, where where does everybody else live? Not everybody lives in Elmwood Park. Some people live in Chicago. Where do you guys live? Wooddale. Wooddale. So there's Wooddale. So Wooddale's your center. Wooddale's the center of the bullseye. Anybody else, where do you guys live? Algonquin's the center of the bullseye you know where you live you know where the center is and it spreads from there now there's another way this makes sense this way of looking at it makes sense it makes good sense but there's actually something here at work that may not be immediately understood because while <clears throat> while there is this series of concentric circles going to encompass the world jesus is also asking us to consider the geopolitical climate and the culture of the people around us. He's asking us to consider these things as we carry the gospel to the world. He said, you'll be my witnesses in taking the gospel to Jerusalem. That's where they lived. Judea was the greater area around Jerusalem. Still people like them. Samaria were people, those were completely different people. In fact, they had enmity, right? They didn't even like each other. And then the world. He says, "Take take this message to these people And if we unpack these geographies, here's kind of my rephrasing of this. It would sound like this. You'll be my witnesses to people who are like you culturally in skin color and in worldview and religious upbringing and in every other way and also to those who are not like you in any of these ways. Does that leave anybody out? No. Jesus is calling you to be sent to people who are like you and people who are not like you. You don't get a pass. Uh, I would tell you it was heartbreaking. We would, when we lived in Poland, we would come to the United States about every three to four years. We'd spend six months traveling in the United States, visiting churches. We didn't have to raise money, just to plug again for International Mission Board, because Southern Baptists gave. We didn't have to go to the churches and ask for money. We could just say thank you. But one of the things we would do is we would tell the story. The Brooks, you guys did this. We, we took, the kids even dressed up in little Polish dresses. Do not ask them to do that today. <laughs> they, will, they will punch you in the throat. Don't even ask for pictures. They'll punch me in the throat. <laughs> Rebecca will kick you in the head. She's flexible, don't push her. We would go to churches. We would talk about Poland. We would talk about what we were doing, and we were so passionate about it. We were so excited about it. We wanted people to catch the fire, and we would talk to them afterwards. And invariably, there'd always be at least one, maybe more people who would come up and say, thank God you're doing that. I'm so glad that that we could help pay your way to go do this. I am so glad God didn't call me to do that. And I don't know what they thought they were trying to say. But if they were trying to insult us and the Lord, I'm not sure they could have thought of a better way to do it. Or they would say something like, if God called me to do that, I would never go. And I would just kind of like mentally (laughs) take a step back because I was like, (laughs) lightning, thunder, heart attack, something bad's going to happen when you tell God, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. Some of you might have had that thought today. Boy, I'm glad Sean and Lydia went and Kevin and Emily went and I would never do that. And now you're like, now you're like looking for the lightning. Listen, here's a more personal way to phrase this. You will be my witnesses to Cubs fans and White Sox fans. Yeah, oh, watch the lightning, Faith. Don't say it. To Democrats and to Republicans and to the others, to socialists and communists, to every kind of oppressed people throughout the world you live in, to black, to white, and to those of every skin tone, personally, how you feel about them matters not at all. You're called, you're sent, those are your people. Whether they're like you or not, whether they wear a Cubs hat or a White Sox hat, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God. It might matter to you, but it doesn't matter to God at all how you personally feel about them. So I want to pose again the question, I want to pose it anew to you, the question that the angels, at least we're, we're assuming the two men in white who were posted next to the guys who are watching Jesus go up there like, can you imagine they're just standing there? There's humor here. There's, this is one of the humorous places in scripture. Jesus rises up. Before he goes, he says, I'm going to send you, go to these places, go be my witnesses. Okay, I'm out of here. And then he rises up and they're like... They're distracted. Already they're distracted. They're looking at the sky. They're wondering, I don't know, maybe fireworks. He goes, they go up into a cloud. Maybe they hope the clouds would part and they could see God and Jesus, you know, Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I don't know what they're waiting for. They're waiting for something. They were stuck. They were transfigured. They were awestruck. Not transfigured. They were transfixed. Transfigured is something else. Similar story, though. Jesus said, go, and they were frozen. And he sent these two guys to wake them out of their slumber, angels or men dressed in white or whatever they were. They're am like, Why are, what are you guys doing? Why are you looking up in the sky the same way he went? He's going to come back now. They didn't say this, but the point is, do you remember what Jesus just said? That's the question I'm posing to us today. Do you remember what Jesus just said? Do you remember the shopping list that he just gave us? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have given you, everything that I've told you. Teach them to obey it. There's your shopping list. Where? The place you live, Cook County, or if, do you live in a different county, Jordan? DePage County. Okay, so see, your county's different. Illinois, United States, world. He said, go. Go to these places. He, he had left, and they're distracted, and the same thing happens to us. We've become distracted. Maybe you're distracted like our little shopper was. She had her little basket. She tossed her recycling in the correct bins. I'm assuming the, the laugh track playing in the background sounded like they were happy with her recycling choices. But then when she entered the store she got all the wrong things. Milk and juice and a snack and I don't know. All, all just all the wrong stuff. Jesus sent you to make disciples. He sent me to make disciples. What are you bringing back to him? Hey Jesus, you sent us to make disciples, but we no disrespect. We built this great building where we meet on Sunday. It's a church. We started these Bible studies. We learned a lot of stuff about you. We did some social justice things in, in our community, and we helped people who were down and out. And, and, and those are all good things. Don't get me wrong. The little girl came back with milk. I mean, milk, is, she probably drank milk regularly. She thought, Mom, she probably even got the right brand. She probably even got the same brand of milk Mom got. So that's what Mom gave her to drink. It was something good, but it wasn't on the list. All of these things I mentioned sound good. A a church building is good. A Bible study is good. But Jesus didn't send us for Bible studies. And he didn't send us to build a church. And he didn't send us to necessarily do any of those things I listed, the same as the mother didn't send the girl for milk. She sent her for three things. Dumpling skins, chives, and what was the other one? Gelatin. Ah, Gelatin, everybody remembers. Why can we remember her list so well, but we forget our list? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And there's a promise at the end of that, isn't there? Do you remember the promise? I will be with you. The power of the gospel lies in whose hands? God's hands. The power to share the gospel lies in whose hands? By God's design. Ours. He's told us to go. He gave us a shopping list. He told us where to take it. And he told us what to come back with. So what's stopping us? I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it hanging. What's stopping us? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you will help us to answer that question today. Not from a corporate perspective as a church body, not even as a family perspective, but as an individual perspective. Lord, look into our hearts. You know what's there. We know what's there. We're hiding it from ourselves. We think we're hiding it from you. But what is stopping us, Lord, from shopping on the list you gave us? Why do you stand looking at the sky? Why are you distracted? Why are we distracted by the things around us, the things that we think are are the things we should do? They may be good things, but they're not the right things. They may be good, but they're not great. They may be nice, but they're not perfect. You've called us to a task You've equipped us for a task. You've saved us for a task. You've sent us for a task. You've even said how quickly we should do it, which is immediately. But we're shopping for other things. Our eyes and our hearts and our hands and our feet are reaching out for the wrong things. Lord, change our hearts. Change us that we might... We might truly grasp the immensity of the task that you've assigned us with, but also, Lord, the ease at which we can enter into it. All we have to do is go shopping for those three things. We go out, we talk to people, and we tell them about Christ. You do the rest. You do the work. You do the heart-changing You've even promised in your scripture that when we don't know what to say to somebody that you're going to give us words to say through the power of the Holy Spirit that is alive in everyone who calls you Lord. You've done all the work, yet we delay. We hold back. We're distracted. Lord, help us to have a singular focus on that list. Give us the power and the, the drive and the focus, the mind of Christ, the eyes that can see what you see that we might abundantly share this good news gospel that you have given to us, that you've saved us with, Lord, that we might take that to the people that are like us and the people that are not like us. The people in my neighborhood, the people in my county, my state, my nation, my world, Lord, he said, it's our responsibility. Lord, I pray that you'll do that in us and through us. Lord, use us as your hands and your feet to share your gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand together.